The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. In this episode, what is cyber fraud? Do we need to be worried about these issues with pandemics still looming? And how should businesses engage with this complex area? Hello and welcome to the Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions podcast. I'm Joe Hancock, a partner and head of MDR Cyber, the cybersecurity investigations practice at Mishcon Dorea. I'm joined by my colleague Katie Ling, a cyber intelligence analyst. As is common now in 2020, we're rising to the challenge of social distancing rules. We're recording this podcast over the internet, each of us speaking from our homes. So Katie, tell me a bit more about yourself. Thanks, Joe. I'm a cyber intelligence analyst within MDR Cyber. I primarily work on digital investigations, so I do a lot of work with social media and trying to find persons of interest. I have a background in threat intelligence, so I've worked alongside law enforcement to trace individuals that make threats online and also physical threats. And I have an interest in cyber fraud because I think it's so prevalent right now and I'm very interested in how much more sophisticated it's becoming. Fantastic. Definitely the person to speak to. So should businesses and individuals worry about cyber fraud? Is this overblown? Are we panicking too much about it? Or are people not taking it seriously? Should we worry? I think we should definitely be worrying about this, but it's more on the individual level that I think people aren't necessarily taking it seriously. Unfortunately, we're all at risk from cyber fraud and we've all got a lot of data on the internet. Unless we've been living completely off the grid for the last 30 years, uh, we will have some sort of personal information online. And even if you are personally very careful, it's other organizations that you have trusted with your data, such as your email, your phone or your credit card. And if they're compromised, then unfortunately, so are you. Thanks, Katie. What are the main risks for businesses or other organizations as well as individuals? Well, I think the main risks are probably financial. Some of these attacks can lead to great financial losses, whether that be in the hundreds of pounds or even in the millions of pounds. And also there are reputational risks if your client's data is breached, um, as we saw with EasyJet and some other large companies. This can have a really negative impact on your reputation. We talked about this affecting individuals. I always use my parents as a bit of a benchmark here and wonder whether I should worry about them being taken in by a scam or something targeting them as they're from a different generation. Is there a difference across generations? Do people who are perhaps older deal with this differently than people who are younger? Or do we all deal with it the same? Everyone is definitely vulnerable to being a victim of cyber fraud, but there is also a generational gap. And studies have shown that digital savviness does decrease with age. And I think this is just, you know, a consequence of the younger generation have grown up with these devices and with the internet And it's sort of second nature to them. And yeah, I've certainly seen family members share some questionable things on Facebook. And I I question how they could even think it's true. But I think that I take for granted that I have grown up with the internet. And I think I'm certainly more aware of uh, the red flags to look out for. Katie, you mentioned Facebook posts. How does cyber fraud occur? What do people need to look out for? Cyber fraud can pretty much occur anywhere online, whether this be in phishing emails or social media, or even through, you know, WhatsApp messages. Um, So any way that cyber criminals can get your personal data or your financial information, they'll pretty much try any avenue. That's really interesting. And I'd like to come back to the WhatsApp messages later on, as that's not something we normally hear about. But you mentioned phishing emails. Are these emails easy to spot? 
Well, so phishing emails are very common. And I think if anyone goes to check their spam emails, they'll be sure to have a couple of in there. But the problem I've seen, especially over the last year, is that they've become much more sophisticated. I think we've all seen the classic phishing email, which is so easy to spot. There's a spelling mistake in it or the format just doesn't look right. And you can straight away tell that it's spam and it's not real. But I've definitely seen even working in the industry I've had to question over the last few months whether you know this is really an email from HMRC or, or really am, really an Amazon confirmation and I think that that is the danger with cyber fraud and where it's heading is that it's becoming a lot more sophisticated and for the general person it's much harder to spot. I grew up with these things being called kind of social engineering back when cybersecurity was information security and was nowhere near as interesting as it is now. Uh, is phishing a type of social engineering? Is social engineering gone? Phishing is a type of social engineering. Um, and that is essentially just the art of, you know, manipulating people and influencing them to do things such as give out their data or their credit card information. I, I actually wrote a thesis on why people believe disinformation and I think there are a lot of parallels here with cyber fraud in that cyber fraud will normally contain an element of truth and whether the phishing email it won't be outlandish it'll be very believable and those are the ones that are the most successful they will also normally play on humans emotions and they will exploit people's fears Um, you know we've definitely seen that during uh, the pandemic that there's been a lot of COVID-19 related phishing emails and yeah, that's exploiting people during this uncertain time. Interesting. That's definitely something we should come back to as, you know, COVID's still very much in everyone's minds. You mentioned WhatsApp. I'm surprised by that. You know, to me, phishing emails are just emails. This is something that everyone does that way. Uh, are we seeing fraud via WhatsApp? Is it happening via text message? Do people call people? What, what kind of stuff's happening in that area? If someone's WhatsApp account has been compromised, then essentially that malicious actor has access to all of your contacts and coming from your personal phone number you're much more likely to trust it so if someone is messaging you as someone that you think is your friend then the kind of personal data you could be giving away is great because they could be having very normal conversations with you and you would have no idea and there's definitely been a few whatsapp scams going around that I have seen and even a few of my friends have been compromised so It can just be anywhere, really, and it's all about vigilance and knowing what to look out for. Thank you, a really useful message. So what do these cyber fraudsters actually want? Why are they doing this? Most cyber fraudsters are motivated by financial gain, and it can be a pretty easy way to make a quick buck by if you send out thousands of emails and one or two people reply, then or click on the malicious link, then you've got, you know, however, a couple hundred quid and it can be pretty easy. That's very interesting. I think often, you know, we all focus on the cyber aspects of this. These are the things that are interesting. We all think it's about spies and criminals doing things in cyberspace, but actually there's a very real financial cost to this, uh, both for individuals and for businesses, sometimes in the hundreds of pounds, sometimes in the millions. So given what happens and why people do this, How do we go about protecting our organisations? How do we go about protecting ourselves as individuals? I think that the main thing is to be proactive and not reactive. We've seen a lot of people will respond once they've been hit by a cyber attack, but in many ways, you know, you've lost your data or you've lost a lot of money by doing that. Whereas if you have these systems in place beforehand, then that's going to be much better practice. 
So as you said there, Katie, being proactive, not reactive, preparing and doing these things first. What can you do to prevent this stuff? Is there anything that can technology help us here? You know, is, is it worth kind of building the walls around our organizations higher? Any particular tools or techniques you'd recommend for people? Yep, definitely. And I, I think that this comes back to the basics. You know, I've I've urged so many people I know to just not use the same password everywhere um, and on every online service use a secure password and it sounds simple but just so many people don't do it because if one password is breached then a criminal has access to anywhere that you've been online I think that also introducing two-factor authentication is really important and just these general security checkups that people sort of normally ignore um, they can be really helpful in protecting yourself you mentioned two-factor authentication there, which I, I see often as multi-factor authentication. You see kind of recommended now by a lot of security professionals. Could you just tell us a bit more about that? Sure. So this is just um, aside from having your password, it's having your phone number linked as well so that you can get a text message sent to you when you're trying to log in so that the service that you're trying to log into can know that it is you. And it's just another layer in security that is really important and can help protect you from unknown sign-ins. Perfect. Thank you, Katie. And then what happens if this all goes wrong? We've all seen the kind of the the Muller quote, which says that, you know, cyber attacks are uh, not a matter of if, they're a matter of when. And and we often, when working with clients, say, you know, that this is something that people need to plan for and is going to happen to them. What do you do if, if things do go wrong? How do you respond? So I think what you just said about having a plan in place is the most important thing, is having a procedure, knowing who to call, so that you don't wait because uh, a lot of stuff in cyber attacks is not waiting and having an immediate response and that is the way that you'll have the least damage done to your organization so uh, yeah, i think just having a plan is the most important and that comes right back to your kind of point around being proactive not reactive you can tell from the instance that we deal with that actually having a plan in advance really makes things go more smoothly. Every pound you spend on preparation pays off exponentially when you're trying to react to something, especially as an attacks always happen at four o'clock on a Friday or a Saturday afternoon in my experience, which is definitely not the time to be scratching around working out who to call. So the elephant in the room at the moment, locked in the room with us actually. Has the COVID pandemic changed the level of cyber fraud? Are things different because of where we find ourselves? Yes, we've definitely seen um, a huge increase in cyber fraud over the last few months. And this has been for a number of reasons. Firstly, everything has moved online. You know, we, we're we working from home, we're doing more online shopping, online banking. And I think more generally being stuck at home, we're just spending more time on our devices. Uh, we're socializing online, we're doing Zoom calls. And I think just by being online more, the risk of cyber fraud is greater. Do you think this changes, you know, as you said, we're online more, but when we're working from home or working from remotely, does that have an impact for organisations and their risk? Definitely, because uh, so we're all now on our home Wi-Fi networks and uh, corporate networks do have more security. And I think that there's also less of a distinction between work and home now. And so the other challenges of lockdown life, you know, whether that be looking after your children and just the general stress of it can make us less vigilant when we're online. And I've seen a lot of phishing emails which are trying to prey on our worries and fears about the pandemic um, and try and get us to click to see about more information. Um, And people are definitely craving more information in this time of uncertainty. 
I can definitely see how, you know, the, after you've been locked in with your kids for six months, the temptation to kind of stick something on the corporate iPad and pop them in front of it, maybe including, you know, stuff that you wouldn't normally use on there, definitely kind of resonates in people's minds. So I, I think you're definitely right that people are changing things and we are having a blurring between home and work life, which probably then means that the level of vigilance changes too. So do, does this affect everyone equally? Is there a generational difference here as well in how the kind of COVID pandemic has affected cyber fraud for individuals? We touched on this earlier, it'd be great to revisit it again. Yeah, so this does speak to the generational differences that I, I spoke about earlier. Whereas the younger generations have been online, um, you know, already, a lot of people have had to adjust to it. I think in the older generations, um, this could be online banking or online shopping. And and I think they don't necessarily know the red flags to look out for. I've seen a few online scams of shops that are pretending to sell hand sanitizer and face masks and things like that. And you go and you put them in your shopping cart, enter in your credit card information, and that's actually leading to cyber fraud. Interesting. So what's the future of fraud then? Against this background of a kind of lockdown world, is cyber fraud going to increase? Is it going to reduce? What do you think is going to happen? So with all the things that um, I just mentioned with coronavirus, I think we've all, we all now understand that we're not going to go back to normal anytime soon and we are in this new normal. So there'll be a lot more remote working, which again, on these home Wi-Fi networks that aren't as secure is going to continue to be a problem. And also I think that we're going to see more sophisticated work from these cyber criminals, you know, whether that be phishing emails or some other way that they are going to try and target us and use our data against us. Thank you, Katie. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on whether this is going to be kind of dealt with by law enforcement? Do you think law enforcement are on top of cyber fraud at the moment? Um, I think it's definitely being pushed to the forefront of their mind, definitely with the recent increase due to the coronavirus. Okay, it's interesting because you know the the policing response to fraud sometimes has been difficult. If you know, unless it's a very large fraud and it affects a business, I think you know policing, especially when they're stretched, trying to deal with the variety of protests we've seen at the moment, um, trying to deal with lockdown and the uh, and reduced staffing numbers due to coronavirus, is definitely an interesting area. Well, thank you very much, Katie. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. So let's wrap it up there. I'd like to say thanks to Katie for joining me for this Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions podcast. I'm Joe Hancock, and in the next episode, my colleagues Suresh Patel and Will Winch will be talking about flexible furlough and the return to work. Uh, Definitely uh, an interesting topic as we now start to come out of lockdown and hopefully the world returns to normal. The Digital Sessions are a new series of online events, videos and podcasts, all available at mishcon.com. And if you have questions you'd like answered or suggestions of what you'd like to cover, do let us know at coronavirus at mishcon.com. Until next time, take care. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com.